What's good, everybody? This is Off the Dope and Out the Crazy House with Anthony Ray. Of course, you probably already know I'm Anthony Ray. So this song right here I'm playing as an intro right now is uh, a song called Can You Stand the Game by Pastor Troy. really just instrumental from me. Um, I don't know, I just always like this song. It's one of the songs I kind of grew up with. And um, it kind of says a lot to me. The song itself, it kind of speaks to like how I feel. Um, or the idea of the song. It's like, can you stand the game? Can you can you make it through the rain and the pain and the, and the issues? Can you overcome? So that's kind of why I made this podcast. As I love get to it in a second because I want to kind of share my journey. For those people out here, this this podcast is for people that, you know, dealing with addictions. Because I've done a lot of different drugs from, we'll get into that, but this, this, this podcast is dedicated to people who, who, who know what it's like to fall down and get up and fall down. You know, this, 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 this podcast is for people who want better in their lives. So as I fade this music to the back, excuse me, man, this is still popping up on my. It wasn't quite a fade there; it just kind of went straight up. But this is my first uh, time podcasting. I know I'm probably not even supposed to just play the music in the background. I'm probably supposed to have uh, I'm supposed to have a lot of different stuff in order to do this. I saw. But I don't have a microphone. I just have a phone um, currently. And I don't have a studio set up. I am uh, currently, just to be real with y'all, I'm a, I always try to keep it 100. I am currently with uh, family um, right now. That's who I live with. Now, mind you, all right, I am 37 years old. Yep, let that seek in for a minute. So I'm 37 years old, living with family. So how do you get to that point? How do you how do you become a 30 something year old person who had things and ended up not having things? Well, if you're a, a person that came in here, then you already know. You know what it's like. So, the picture that you saw here on the, that I made as my cover, I might have to change it one day and give y'all a before and after because I don't look anything like that anymore. I think in that picture, I am 160 something pounds. Um, very dehydrated of drugs and it's a long story, but 
I am um, 220 pounds right now. I work out uh, five days a week, most weeks. Um, if not, usually four at least. But normally five. It's pretty steady. Um, and I am healthy and happy. Now, I don't have much, but I'm on my way to it. And I just kind of wanted to share my joy and my journey and my insight. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about myself, right? So I grew up in Texas. Um, you know, pretty standard stuff, you know. But I won't even go into all that. Maybe a, a, another time. I kind of start from the military. So I was in the military for over uh, six years. Um, I uh, spent a year over in Afghanistan. A couple duty stations. Um, one overseas, one here stateside. And actually, I was, I you know, for a low, you know, a lower enlisted, a lower ranking member of the, you know, army. I actually had a um, fair amount of uh, authority because I had decided to become a health inspector. Along with that came. A lot of different hats and responsibilities became a lot of respect too. Um, because, you know, I was teaching classes. I had my own office. You know, I shared a, 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 a government vehicle with other, you know, a couple of other members because it was a small job that I did. A small amount of people worked the job that I worked in the army. Um, so, at that time, I knew a lot of people on base. You know, I was always traveling around doing different inspections at any place you ate, any place you, you know, any place. You know, whether it was a, a barbershop, a swimming pool, you know, or, or a dining facility, I had to do an inspection there. You know, if it had air, water, soil, and food, I was there. So, I got a chance to meet a lot of people. And had a respectable job because I taught classes that helped a lot of the people on, on, on these bases. And so, and I was competent. So, fast forward a little bit, I ended up going to Afghanistan. And uh, I think that's when it all started in a way. It, it didn't all start there because some of this goes back to childhood. Just prior to going into the service at all, I guess we're backtracking again. Um, I was running around the streets, you know. Uh, my life had no real meaning. I was working. Uh, I didn't do what my dad told me. I didn't. I did not go straight to college. My dad said, man, when you get out of school, go straight to college. I didn't. He said, well, if you don't go to college, it's going to be a long time before you go back and it becomes harder. Well, shouts out to my dad, by the way. He just, uh, not long ago, he's in his 60s. 
But in his late 50s, he actually graduated college. So, to my dad, I say, that's what's up. So, um, I ended up running around a little bit, you know. And um, during those times, I was getting drugged up and drunk. I was mostly a drunkard, and I used to mess with a little bit of issue. Um, back then, well, not even a little bit, I ain't gonna lie, like, at first it was a little bit, but then, you know, time progresses, so I was introduced to that, and I basically just woke up one day and realized that I was dying inside, now, I'm one of those people who I know that Life is about progress. That's what it's about, man. It's about progress. That's why, you know, like I said on here, I always talk, I bring spirituality into this because it's just kind of how I grew up. I am a father of a preacher's son, but I'm not a holier-than-thou type, no. Like, I'm not a Christian. Um, I'll, I'll explain why and all that later, but my father is a Christian pastor and all that, and I was, my mother's highly religious and other family members too, but me, I know that there is stuff out there that's astounding. It surpasses things in those books, as holy as they might be. But nevertheless, I um I knew inside that I felt like I was dying because when I don't progress, I feel like I'm dying. It's like anything else in the world. If it's not growing, what is it doing? If it's not growing or dying, then it's probably in an inanimate object, right? It's not alive anyway. But anything that's alive has two options, really. You grow or you die. Then again, <laughs> we are all dying and growing simultaneously. So I guess with that said, I also want people out there to know that like, don't feel, if you're out there right now and you feel like you're dying, just remember that you're growing too. You know, you're like, what? Yeah. Even if you're dying right now, you're growing. You're you're learning. I also make music, so one of my favorite verses I ever wrote was, I have a song called, well, in my head. I never completed the song. <sighs> Gotta start completing things, but... um. It's called Pop a Bottle. And in the song, I say, uh, I tell you the whole verse is just more like, it's on uplifting, but it says, living frees the spirit. Hold up. Something just turned on. I'm sorry. I'm in the garage here. Death frees the spirit. Living frees the mind. Death frees the spirit, living frees the mind. Um, 
true. As you live, you learn. So when I realized that, man, I went into the military, and that's how I got there. And I began. I got clean when I got there. I had some hardships trying to integrate into the system. I was still into my street ways. So I actually, when I got there, <laughs> I uh, I was accused <laughs> of selling cigarettes because when you're there, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to smoke when you're when you're coming into the military. They took all your stuff from you. I had um, gotten in trouble for selling cigarettes. And I was still in that mindset. Um, you know, a very, very um, now that I look back on it, I realized that like where I lived I think that I, at that time, I think that I had gotten used to being miserable. And I had gotten used to being um, unproductive. And the, from the moment you join into the service, which is frowned upon, it's heavy. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm by the way, I'm African-American or I'm, well, I'm black. <laughs> Whatever you want to say. I am African or African-American. I'm black. Um, so, um, it's not like when you're in other cultures, I don't think. Because I want to say like 99% of the people that say thank you for your service when they talk to me, they're white. Now, I don't have any problems with, you know, white people in general. Um, you know, I've dated outside my race. I have friends outside my race, all that good stuff. Um, but just saying, there's a difference in our culture. So in my culture, they looked at me like, man, you're stupid. Why are you going? You know, like, you know, that's dumb, bro. Like some, most of them felt that way, like. Um, and some of them weren't against it, but you know, they weren't for it. And some people, the very few were like proud, like not, or not proud, but they were like, I don't, I don't blame you. You know, I, um, at the time, you know, my days consisted of back then when I was young. So I was, this was my early twenties. I had just had a son. Uh, a year prior to going into the service, maybe not even, you know, yeah, a year, almost two. Um, and uh, excuse me, I've been drinking soda, so I ended up. So if you hear me burp, that's what it is. It's the soda, but I ended up looking. I woke up one morning and just realized, like, 
I mean, I looked up and I didn't have no clothes in my in my, in my closet. I had a couple of couple of shorts, you know, a couple of pants, a couple shirts, you know. I didn't even have a bed frame, you know. I I was young, you know, but I did have an apartment. I was one of the few people who did, so my house was always packed with people. You know, I'd have I'd let people stay with me and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was messing around in the streets, you know, with this or that, doing this and that, which is not something I want to, you know, get too deeply into. But maybe, you know, in bits and pieces over time, who knows? But I'm not it's not really what I'm, you know, super focused on. But I ended up meeting a friend. A neighbor. At the time, I was already an alcoholic. I used to wake up in the morning. I used to wake up, and I I needed I needed three forty ounce red dogs. Have you ever seen a red dog? It's like in a dark bottle. It's a forty ounce dark bottle with a red label, and it's got a bulldog on the front. Um, at that time, I believe that those uh, red dogs cost this after taxes. They were exactly a dollar fifty at the corner store where I was. I would prefer those mornings to have had three in the morning for breakfast. Mind you, I'm in my early twenties. I was an ex athlete. I always started in football. You know, um, I had. Uh, a fair level of popularity. Um, at my school, I was known. Um, I had a really big, you know, I had a I had a higher opinion of myself at that time. Um, but I was cool though. I wasn't like unapproachable. Oh, you know, I was even kind of, you know, um, outcasted a little bit. Like I wasn't. Exactly a fit in I thought I had friends really But I didn't have a whole lot of them Put it that way So maybe like many other kids So um, After school It just further decreased it, it, the, the, the distance between me And the people I wanted to be like I think Or that I would The groups I wanted to be in In my, in my mind They changed And I further, the distance became further between me and what I thought everybody else was. I never felt like I was in place. And I think that had a lot to do with the drug use. Not to mention when you, you know, you feel like you're young, so you want fun. I remember, um, I remember I used to actually say this, like, why would people, why would someone want to go through life sober? I'm like, that don't make sense to me. I really felt that way. Like, I, I felt that way. Like, why would somebody, now I know, I know. I really know, like, I know why. I know why for real now. Because... It's just better, but much better, I believe. And um, 
But back then, I I'm telling you, it was it was nothing to be high all day. It was it was the preferred. If I wasn't, it just seemed to drag along. And I quickly went from you know I never really liked weed because it. I'm a cerebral person. So. Weed, to me, it just enhances that and it makes, and self-conscious too, so I'm just all in my own head and it increases my paranoia. You know, right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm diagnosed with PTSD, um, major depressive disorder and, and, uh, and anxiety, like many other people. And we'll get into that later, but. I guess I should, <laughs> I tend to go off into my thoughts like this, so forgive me, but I, I'm coming back. I know I'm telling the story of getting into the military and all that, but I just wanted to paint a picture for you to let you know that hopefully I understand, I get it. You know, so many people want to help drug addicts, but they ain't never did drugs. You know, so many people want to help a troubled youth or something, and they, they weren't a troubled youth. Not saying that they can't get the help. I think because now that I'm older, I realize something that the best advice doesn't always come from somebody whose life has been perfect. Because we live in a world right now where people only want advice from people who are rich. It's like we think that if a person is filthy rich or they got it going on, like somehow they're smarter or they know everything. But I just got through watching a documentary on YouTube. I'm a YouTube head. I ain't gonna lie to you. Um, that showed drug addicts on the street being interviewed by a guy who just decided to make a documentary. And, uh, the advice they give is, is, is it might be, you know, the same in some places as, um, you know, your teacher or something would have told you, but it has so much more impact when you see it from someone who lived the mistake. Some of the best advice you can get is from people who don't do it right. You know, everybody wants marriage advice from someone who's had a perfect marriage, supposedly. And then they don't want to listen to the person who doesn't, whose marriage hasn't went well. But they both have valuable information. So, I think I just realized I've always realized, and this, this is important for people who are out there who are in a low place in life. One thing that a person that has failed over and over in life has over people who have never fallen is the repetition of a behavior allows you to be able to see patterns. It's like you got you know, not it's 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 bored. It, it it strengthens your intuition for bad things coming. Like I know when I'm falling, 
I know it. I can tell I'm falling. Because I failed before. Just like I told you, I can I can feel it when I'm inside. I know I'm not progressing. I feel like I'm dying. That's something that you have to listen to in your heart. In order to get out of the situation that you might be in out there, you have to realize that that feeling inside that's telling you that you need to change, that's telling you that you're dying inside, that's telling you that you're falling and you, and, and, and you need to start trying to get up, that's a real feeling. It might be the thing that it's you trying to save your own life. It's like you inside of you screaming for help. And the one thing that I've learned the most about on this journey, which gets crazy because I, you know, you see the, the, uh, you see the uh, title of the show, Off the Dope and Out the Crazy House. That's literal. That's literal. So that by the end of this story, I end up in the crazy house and out of the crazy house. Um, which I'm sure that some of you, if you if you've been there, then you know as well, right? So I listened to that voice. Now, even though it was frowned upon by all my, you know, by most of the community, because in the black community, it's not like a great idea. But I'm glad I did it. Um, are there some things about the military that I don't like? Yeah, a lot. Um, did I get in trouble in there because of my thought process? Yeah. Did I get out because I got out for several different reasons, but one of them was because I wanted to grow again. And another one is because um, there are things in there that I think are, you know, not right. So my beliefs changed. After going to Afghanistan, my beliefs definitely changed. And then after meeting someone uh, who was another part of this story, my feelings towards life changed again. So I, I, I just changed as a person. So I saw that I needed to change and I did. I just left. I fast-tracked into the service. I got there. It was a culture shock. I mean, you don't, when you first go into the military, you don't sleep for like the first day or two. I'm telling you, they got you running around doing this, doing that. And what's crazy is, I mean, there is a very, very big correlation between the military and, 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 the, and, the, and the jail system. I mean, I can go on and on about that. Or can I? I mean, there's, there's several. I don't know if I can go on and on, but I want to. Because I'm telling you, man, it's like from the way that they have you bunked up, you know, to getting your food from the commissary, you know, I even made hooch while I was in there, you know, and then you're in there when you're in, in the military, you first get in there. I mean, you're in there with people from all over. That's what people don't don't understand, like people from all over the United States. So it's kind of like, and imagine like where I was, the first, you know, place I went and I was the first unit I was in for reception when you first get there. 
it's like in processing for jail or something. So they basically just in process you. And they give you your stuff, your clothes, they change your clothes, you know, and they get you ready for what it's like to be there. Tell you the rules, all that good stuff. You learn how to march and sing the songs and all that kind of stuff. The cadences. Um, you slowly, slowly, slowly. I mean, not even slowly. It's like pretty quick. They shock you into it. So let me stop saying that. It was quick. I mean, right when you get off the bus, they screaming in your face. Hey, soldier. I'm, I'm talking about you go from watching a movie on a Greyhound chilling to this dude running up on the bus just yelling and I'm just looking at the dude like is this for real it's like 50 of us on there I don't know how many people is on this bus but it's a whole bunch of us like is he out of his mind I'm like this is what it's gonna be but you but you're not like I'm not you're not mad because you know you kind of like you realize that it's the atmosphere. It's like this is supposed to happen, but it's still shocking. And you end up getting, you immediately start, everything's, everybody's yelling. Everything's around you is in chaos. It's controlled chaos from, from the jump. And you start thinking like, what the hell I get into? But guess what? I would end up getting hurt badly. My kidney almost failed from getting smoked when I got off that bus. Smoked this for like two hours. My kidney started failing. No lie. Rhabdomyolysis, they call it. Ended up not being able to bend my arms and all kind of stuff. And that's how I found out I needed help. So they rushed me to the medic. Well, I walked over to the medical. They rushed me into the room and Flushed out my system and all that. Gave me a lot of fluids. Because uh, they said my CK levels, whatever those are, were about the same as somebody going through cardiac arrest. And um, it's funny too because kidney issues, they run in my family. Uh, but it was, a, it was directly from the smoking. Not being in shape and all that kind of stuff. So um, They wanted me to go home, the doctor. I said... Don't send me home, man. Because to me, it would have been embarrassing to go back. I wanted a new life. So I stayed. He cleared me to go back. And I stayed into the service. With all the craziness, man. And it's crazy. In the service. I mean, especially when you first going in, you're in training. It's, it's, it's. It's a madhouse. But slowly you just become stiff and disciplined. That's what I liked about it. I think in my heart I always felt like a soldier. And I'm, you know, I I still do. I'm not, you know, I'm not a super patriotic person. Nothing like that. Like, I mean, I'm an African American. So you know how I feel about many things. Um, or you think you do. Because I'll probably surprise you over this time. But I'm learning. I'm always learning. 
think that's the key. If you if you're on here right now, I'm glad you came through. Because I just wanted to uh This is something I felt like I had to do. So confu- uh, excuse me if I don't know what I'm really doing cuz I I uh I don't have a team and all that. Like I don't know. And I'm in my story jumping around because I don't even have paper in front of me. This is just me talking to y'all. So let's fast forward from basic. Cause we can always go into other stuff like some of the other things that make the military similar to jail. But let's fast forward it so we can get through the story. Let's get me to the crazy house. So you kind of know what this picture is that I posted. So I ended up in Afghanistan. And in Afghanistan, as you can imagine, it's it's war. But I'm not an infantry guy, but... I traveled around a lot because just like on that base, like I told you, I, w- I went around doing inspections. I did the same thing in Afghanistan, but I, I had to do it on different bases. So I did traveling. I lived with different countries, armies and stuff over there too, on their bases for short periods of time and helped them and taught classes. Um, so, of course, I saw some things. Like everybody over there will. But see, I didn't realize that while I was over there, not only was I already prior to, you know, I had become an alcoholic again once I got into the service because you can't do drugs like that because you're tested so often and so abruptly. They'll call you in early in the morning. It'd be like five o'clock in the morning. They're like, you got an hour to get up here and take your, your, your urine test, your urine analysis, your piss test. And they, they, they watch the pee come out your piece. They want to stand. They want to see the pee come out your piece. It's crazy. It's it, unnecessary. But one of the things I don't agree with, by the way. But um, it's, it's a deterrent. So alcohol is the drug of choice. Right? So... Most people in the army, whether they believe it or not, they're alcoholics. Um, it wouldn't be until I got to Germany, back from Germany, that I slowed down drinking. I drank so the, the the liquor was so strong over there that I think it messed up my stomach lining or something, man. Like I couldn't drink without getting sick. My stomach and all that. Next day, hangover, bad. Like I was done. Drinking by the time I got back, like like not all the way done. Like I I just I didn't get filthy drunk, stupid drunk. You know what I'm saying? So one thing I found out about myself was in Afghanistan, because what's strange, you know, I, I I found myself. They have like corner stores, even in Afghanistan. They have corner stores out there. Like they'll have like a PX, depending on where you're at. I was at a, one of the big bases. I was at it was Bagram. In Bagram, they actually have everything that you... It's a city, basically. A small city. Um, 
now it is, or it was then. This was back in 2010 and 11. And so, um, so it was 10 years ago. Wow. Time flies. So, there was a PX there, which is like a corner store. And I would literally go in there and buy all of the NyQuil. And nobody was like, what is he doing with all this NyQuil? He ain't coughing, he ain't sick. And if he is, what is a whole barracks sick? I was drinking it. It's just some things that you, as a drug addict, there's things as a drug addict that you know that other people don't know. It's things that you know about yourself that you shouldn't even know. Like, like I know for a fact now that I could drink a whole bottle of NyQuil and not die. And I'm talking about one of them bottles that says like 33% more NyQuil in it. Like, that was like the jackpot. Oh, wow, look, 33%. And I didn't even think about it like a junkie. Like, it was just like so nonchalant to me. It didn't, I didn't even think about how it looked. Nobody even asked me. I would, you know, I was going to the gym twice a day. And I'm in Afghanistan. I'm in the service. But I'm abusing NyQuil and Benadryl. Taking those two. And fighting the sleep to get to feel the high. I was already, the crazy thing I found out as a drug addict is I don't, I didn't, I never knew, I didn't know I was self-medicating till later on. Like during the self-medicating, I don't know I'm self-medicating. It's not like a thought in my head, like a, in my mind, I can't even tell you what's going on. I just want to feel good. It's not like a deep analysis or anything going on there. It's probably the problem. Because I'm really actually a very... Uh, I, 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 I analyze things. I'm a Virgo too, you know. I'm into astrology, but... And tarot card reading and all that too, but... If you believe that, I'm a Virgo. And that part about me is true when it comes to Virgo. Like, you know... I, I, I think about... I look critically at my own life. Just like I look critically at everything else, like, or deeply. Critical is, you know, not always the case. Like, that's not how I feel. I feel like I'm just, I, I want to get the meaning out. I want to understand. And that's like a necessity if you are a, um, a drug addict right now. And what's crazy is when you're with drug addicts, like they do think about stuff all the time. They're, they're probably in their head <laughs> or out of it, you know, either they're in their head or out of it. That's what my homeboy told me one time. He said, man, that's the difference between me and you. You know what I'm saying? When you're doing, when you're doing drugs, bro, you're in your head. I do drugs to get out of mine. I said, all right. See, and he liked a different drug than me. He liked um, cocaine. 
See, the difference, this is what I always say. In this world, there's a variety of everything. If you, there's one, there's something out there that you'll like because of the variety. Right? There's something that you'll like. And it's the same way with drugs. Like, there's one drug out of all the drugs. If a person decided to do all the drugs, right? There's at least one drug for each person that if they decide to do that drug, it'll take them down. And usually it's the drug you like. Like, I know I don't have no problem. You could have, back then, you could have put, you can, like, I can tell, I didn't, you know, you could have put weed in front of me and all that. And I would have just been like, so what? You can leave that, you know. But there was a time in my life where if you would have put pills on the table, I, I couldn't have fought that urge. I wouldn't have wanted to fight that urge. You know, matter of fact, nobody, you know, like, well, actually, I've never been like a really low, low, you know, I've never been a, I've never got into thieving. But it is part of the, you know, the drug thing. It's part of the drug world, you know. Um, I know this though. I spent, I've, I've spent days at a time searching for drugs. So I understand. Um, hours of my day, you know, my whole morning spent, you know, trying to track down something. And this is at the time where, like, I'm, I'm. It's crazy. I don't even want to say what I was going to say. Um, so, there I was in Afghanistan. And I don't know how long these podcasts are supposed to be. Because we're like at the 42 minute mark right now. I didn't know. Maybe I'd talk for maybe an hour. Um... But here I am in Afghanistan, drinking NyQuil every night that I could. I ended up leaving the service now that I look back, there were times in my service that were red flags that I was dealing with some mental. Things that was one of them. Um, another one was I actually, you know, there's this little Boosie song where he says, Sometimes I cry, and when I cry, I don't know why. That's happened to me before. While watching a football game, drinking some beer, you know, on the couch on a Sunday. I was single father in the military with my son. And he was upstairs asleep. And I just couldn't stop crying. I just started crying, like, right in the middle of the game. Like, what's going on? I closed the blinds. Went and sat on the steps, like, what the f is going on? Smoking a cigarette, like. 
what is going on. But I shook it off and didn't even tell nobody. It was embarrassing. I was I was pretty stiff back then, like during that time, like I had a lot of pride. And I think I was well respected in that in at that time. You know, the people that lived around me and that I was there with. Um I didn't want to show that pain, that weakness. Because here's the thing. The one thing I've learned about this world that is it's fascinating and heartbreaking. We can't stand weakness. This world hates weakness. Despises it. I'm listening to, you know, guys on YouTube who talking about red pill, if you ever heard about that. So I'm kind of researching into that, looking into that. I had never heard from it, but when I like something, I kind of binge it for a while and learn from it. But And plus, it's something that I find close to home, too. Um, I don't even know why, because I don't... I, the, what The stuff that they're saying, the stuff that I used to do without even... I didn't know. You just do stuff when you're cold-hearted. Um, at that time, I was cold-hearted. Um, it's crazy. Like, I, 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 um, I look back on those times and I realize, like, I was really just soldiering my way through. No feeling and emotion. Fast forward again. I'm getting out of the army early on an honorable discharge. Headed back home with money in my pocket, in my bank account. I had more money than I had ever had in my life. Saved up. I had done well in Afghanistan. Like most soldiers do, those who don't, you know, spend it all or have their wife steal all their money when they get back or whatever. Um, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> they, uh, I came home with dreams of being in business for myself and helping my family. That wouldn't happen. Instead, I went on a path of self-destruction. I think I was trying to prove myself to my friends that I had been gone so long. And that's also a number one problem. Going back to what you already fought to overcome. Six years prior to that, coming home, I mean, I, I knew I had to leave in order to grow. What made me believe that six years later I could come back? <laughs> And things would be different. It's the repetitive nature of my addicted mind. Like, I have this thing too where I know I've, I've always wanted to defeat my city. 
and I don't mean like in a like I'm I'm trying to conquer the place or something like that. I mean there's a stigma over my city. I have this theory along with a few other people that and I always felt this way. In order to do well where I come from, you have to leave. The people that leave do much better than the people who stay. That's how I noticed it. I, I mean, I, 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 I compared, I can, you know, just a, a, a superficial comparison, of course, of both lives. And you're like, wow, they're, they're making more money. They're, you know, uh, in longer term relationships or whatever it might be, which is not, you know, the relationship part now these days for me is I'm okay on that. Um, you know, if it comes, it comes, but. They just seem to be living a fuller life. Education-wise, they succeeded. They left and went to school. Or, you know, that was a big thing, leaving and going to school. The people who stayed, they were the same way when I got back home. And you'll hear a lot of soldiers say this, and it's true. A lot of the guys that I, they were the same. They were doing the same thing. Six years later, some were doing worse. Some were doing slightly better, but uh, about the same. And those who did worse, I mean, I came back home. The guy that I told you uh, first, um, I, you know, I did first did drugs with or first did cocaine with. I came back home and he was, he was a crack addict. You know, which I kind of saw coming. I should have saw it coming. Actually, I didn't see see to the extent, but I should have saw it coming. That's what I should say. And I wasn't super surprised, but it's heartbreaking. I ain't seen him since. I came back home, seen him one time, and I ain't seen him since. I just heard bad things. I hope he's all right out there. But I ended up coming addicted to pain pills. Oh, that's that one is hell. I ended up becoming uh, addicted to um, methamphetamine as well. This, this was a while later, though. These are all with, you know, in different times. Um, I would use Adderall, cocaine. Um, sometimes four bars, of course. Four bars. All of that. So I know what it's like. Now, I've never used crack or heroin. In those forms, but I mean, heroin in the pill form is. I understand. So fast forward again. I'm in a toxic relationship. And the girl I'm with is a meth user at the time. It wouldn't be long before I would be too. 
I ended up, when I did meth, what always struck me, the craziest thing about meth, because the hardest drug that I ever had to do, get off of, was them, them codones, them domes, hydrocodone, them yellows, them blues. To this day, I'm so glad I'm not on those anymore. I had to go cold turkey twice to get off of those. That's, I believe that that's the only way. That is the, the if you want to get off of hydrocodones, you need to get off cold. Like this is how I feel. Cold turkey. That's my opinion. Because once you get off cold turkey, you ain't going to never want to do that again. Especially if you do it twice. I did it twice because I messed up and I thought, hey, well. I mean, I went through excruciating pain for four or five days. Like, I, it, it's a pain like, no, it's not. Some people say it's like having the flu. No, it's not. It's like, it's the highest level anxiety I've ever had. It's, it's such a high level of anxiety that it hurts. And there's a confusion in your body. Your body don't even know what to do. It's just doing all kind of stuff. It's, it's shitting. It's, 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 it's not sleeping. It's sleeping. It's. It wants to be touched. It don't want to be touched. So. Even though that was the most difficult. When I did meth. I realized something. I liked it too much. It is the most. Fun. Boring. It can make anything interesting. Well, I say anything, but it makes the things that you. This is what I, I feel like methamphetamine is a drug. That. Because each drug has its usages. It, it has its. Uh, lane, we'll say. I think the people that use meth, and this is my theory. Because let's just think about it. It's called speed. <clears throat> it's called speed, but you don't go nowhere. It literally leaves you on stuck. The same way that you're stuck on meth. The same way you're stuck. Got five minutes left. The same way you're stuck on meth, you actually stuck in life. Your life is going nowhere. I've never met a meth head who I wanted to switch lives with. So knowing that, I ended up realizing I liked it too much. It was the sexual, you know boost you get when you're on it. it it was the focus I could have because I think the people that are on methamphetamine are trying to catch up so you take it believing that somehow this is going to help you progress faster in life because it feels like limitless pill like a limitless pill but really everything you think it's doing is doing the opposite you think it increases your it increases your desire to have sex but takes away your, your sexual marketability. It makes you look horrible. 
It makes you think that you're smarter, but it's putting holes in your brain. It, you want to be outgoing and use it, but it makes you an introvert. Right? You use it to be creative, but it stifles creativity and sticks you in one mindset. You're repetitively doing the same things over and over and over again. You use it to clean, but you end up with a dirty house. That one I knew. I said, man, I like this one too much. I don't know why. I mean, I know why, but I, I think it's mostly the sexual thing and the, the focus on music that I would have when I was on it. I was using it as a crutch. So I turned myself into rehab. It wouldn't be long before... This is, I'm at rehab. On my way to rehab, I'm trying to get high. And I got my granny and my mama in the car with me. I'm trying to sneak and smoke. I done poured some methamphetamine into my Coca-Cola I got. And I'm drinking it right before I'm going in. When I get there to the rehab, I had to quit my job and everything. It's a longer story than this, but I ended up Hearing voices. For the first time in my life. Here I'm in my late third, mid thirties. And late, you know, mid thirties. And I'm starting to hear voices for the first time. I thought it was amazing at first. Then I realized this shit is, this is bad. They said I walked out of the rehab. And they didn't find me for three days walking the streets. I would be arrested in the county, in the county, a county over, the next county over, in a good old boy town, and I would be arrested. That's the picture you see on the front cover. This is a broken story, but you kind of you'll, you'll feel my style in maybe a little while. I come back to what I'm talking about, though. But it's hard to, like, speak and then try to drop, you know, because when I'm passing something up in my story, I start thinking, like, there's a, there's a message in here or a jewel or, or an insight in here. You might not consider it a jewel, but we'll just say an insight. So we're at the 58-minute mark. And... I just want to say that um, thanks for coming to my first podcast. Um, we'll continue the story. I'll be uploading as often as I possibly can. Um, so hopefully you can find out what did I do? Why was I? How did I end up in the crazy house? What happened to me? Out there while I was out there walking around. What was jail like? And how did I end up here with my family in a town that I don't know? And what am I doing to better myself? Out there, if you're listening, I just want you to know I wish you peace and I wish you paper. You can have both. I'll holler at you. Much love.